Welcome to the Restoration of Women's Virtues, where we are restoring women to our original power and purpose. My name is Pastor Mary Jean Pigeon, and, and uh, we've done many episodes before uh, uh, with the Restoration of Women's Virtues. I encourage you to go and look at the other uh, episodes that we've done in our previous days, because we're, we kind of build line upon line, precept upon precept. And right now, we're looking at one of our greatest enemies as women— and we're taking it from 1 Samuel 17, where David fought Goliath. So um, uh, our previous episodes can be found on YouTube or Facebook or our webpage, Restoration of Women's Virtues. So I encourage you uh, to look, at, look us up. Also, last week we offered this little booklet, which is about the subject that we're talking about today. It comes out of this book, Our Purpose, Position, and Power, Woman, Her Purpose, Position, and Power, and Woman Imagined. This is the story of my um, testimony, I guess, learning the messages that I'm passing on to you. This is a workbook where you can incorporate them into your life. Look up the scriptures and incorporate them into your life. So as we, uh, I'm sorry, Chesley's not with us today, if you're a regular uh, attender here. Uh, she's, she's receiving her healing right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Speaking the word of faith over herself and Letting the sick, the sickness be swallowed up by the life of God's word. That's what we're learning as women being restored to our original power and purpose. Amen. So, like I said, we're looking at one of our greatest enemies that comes not just against women, but against all of us. And it's come on us in the fall, in the fall of man. But also it was the enmity that God put against in, in the woman and the serpent against the serpent and the woman in the garden. And what is this reproach? We call it, I call it reproach. This little booklet's called Above Reproach. And that's where we are in the body of Christ. And everything I'll be talking to you about, I will be talking to you under the knowledge that we've received Jesus Christ as our Savior. Because uh, actually, if you haven't, you wouldn't understand a lot of what I'm saying. So, the Bible is our basic, uh, it's our constitution, if you will. And um, so we're taking this from 1 Samuel 17 in the Bible, the Old Testament. And reproach uh, is, a, is what is it? We're going to look at what is it? Where does it come from? Why is it against us? And what are we to do about it? And as women, ladies, we have been doing... Um, We've been handling the reproach in, in, the, in the arm of the flesh, if you will. And God has a way by the Spirit to supernaturally deal with these things in our life and to um, win the victory. Amen. So reproach, what is it? It means to disregard or pay no attention to, to treat as unworthy. You know, Goliath, when he came upon the, the um, armies of Israel... He defied the armies of Israel. He set them at naught. He considered, he disdained them. He, he, you know, said, who are you? I'm a giant. I'm a Philistine. I'm bigger than you are. And uh, so it's to disregard, pay no attention to, to treat as unworthy of, reg of regard or notice, to neglect or give little attention or respect to, to pass over without giving due attention to. And so I don't know about you, but I've experienced that in my life. And that was what I discovered that day when I was sitting at my desk reading in 1 Samuel 17. I thought, wow, I've, I've experienced that as a woman. I've experienced it as a woman preacher. 
And so I realized, because at the time when I was reading this, I realized that uh, it was an unwritten law that women weren't to be preachers. Nobody really always said it right out loud, but it was an unwritten law. And so I had felt that. I hadn't, maybe didn't have a place to pinpoint it, but I had felt that. And um, I remember one day, I tell about this in the book, um, my husband, we have three sons, and my three sons and my husband and I were at a place, at a party, at a gathering. And this man came up and introduced himself to my husband. He shook hands with my husband, my three sons, and I stuck my hand up to shake his hand, and he just pulled it back and turned and walked away. And I went, well, I guess this man doesn't really care for women. So I know women have experienced that. Uh, minority groups have experienced that. So this is a real uh, being, if you will. It's a, re- it's a real thing. It's real. It's the, it's, sometimes they say, you know, the psychological abuse is even worse than physical or mental. I mean, physical or sexual abuse, because those happen and you can say they happen, but psychological abuse is like, did that really happen? Or is that real? Or... So it's kind of undefined, and it's harder to put your hands on it and deal with it. But we're going to define reproach. There's a picture of it in the First Samuel 17 where David fights Goliath, and he comes against the armies of Israel. And the antonym, by the way, for reproach, is, um, or for the word disregard, is to cherish and appreciate, to hold dear and show affection for and encourage. So we're going to see by the time we get through with this lesson, that, that we are going to overcome evil with good. That's God's way of doing business. He overcomes evil with good. So in 1 Samuel 17, David, we'll, we'll just kind of run through that real quickly because I don't, I don't want to bog down in the whole chapter. I'd end up teaching the whole thing and take me six weeks to do it. So David was in position and faithful in the small things. Here's little David, a shepherd boy. He had dealt with the lion and the bear. He had trusted God out in the field. He'd been meditating, writing psalms, I'm sure. And he was, and he, he, uh, took his, he took care of his father's sheep. When his dad called him to go to the, the uh, battle lines, he put his sheep in the care of somebody else. His dad gave him bread and cheese to take to the troops. So he took the bread and cheese to the troops. And then when he got there, Goliath was coming on the scene and he ran to the battle lines to see what was going on. But he put the cheese and the bread in the hands of someone else. So you could say David was faithful in the small things. And we always want to be faithful in the small things. This small thing, it appeared to be a small thing of bread and cheese and sheep. Those small things, being faithful in those small things, made David king over Israel one day later. So that's an important aspect out of this chapter. And when he got there, he turned away. His brother criticized him, his older brother, said, who are you to think you can do? Because he was asking, what will the king do for the man who takes this giant out? And his brother criticized him. His brother, you might say, reproached him. And David turned away from it. Now remember, he's getting ready to pull this giant down. And what I want us to know is that reproach... Like I said, it, sometimes it's psychological and it's hard to say that's, that's it. That's just, somebody else might think, like they say in the psychological abu- abuse, 
the person who's being abused and the abuser, the only two people that know it's happening. Nobody else. There's no evidence to anybody else. And so um, this is a place where you can pinpoint and say, this is what happened. His, his brother criticized him and David turned away from that. And we're going to see that that's what Jesus did. He despised the shame. And he spoke. Uh, he, oh, Saul tried to put his armor on him. And David tried to put on Saul's armor. You know, we can't put on somebody else's armor. You can't fight your battle with somebody else's faith. It has to be your faith. And that's the point of today is to build our faith and to give you, leave you with some scriptures actually today to put in our mouths, to say about ourselves, to overcome this giant spirit of reproach. And Chesley and I have talked through the last few episodes about how sometimes it's, um, that self-talk within us, you know, the self-talk that's inside of us. And uh, so David tried to put on Saul's armor, but it didn't work. He just, he, he was used to his slingshot. He didn't want his big sword. He didn't want all that heavy armor on him. He was used to moving about with a slingshot. So he, he stayed faithful to who he was. That, that's a lesson right there. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to be somebody else's anointing. Be faithful to who you are because God called you and he called you for, he made you the way you are. And he, well, let's, let's give him a break. He didn't make us the way we are. We had a fall in the midst of that, but much of who we are, he's already put in there. And so he wants us to be who we are. He, he made us this way for a reason. So then David spoke the end from the beginning, and I'm reminded of Jesus with at Lazarus, which I call on a lot, that scripture. I love that scripture in John chapter 11. And he spoke the end from the beginning. Remember when they came and told Jesus, Lazarus, the one whom you love is sick. He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified through it. This sickness is not to the advantage of the devil but it's for the glory of God. And we're not going to let the devil get glory out of this. So no matter what's coming against you, determine that. I was reminded earlier when I was thinking about this in the book of Daniel with the three uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the, the king wanted them to bow down to his idol. And they said, no, our God will deliver us. See, they went to the fiery furnace. I get them who, who faced the lions and who went to the fiery furnace. They went to the fiery furnace and they said, uh, no, O king, our God will deliver us. And even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down. We're not going to bow down to you. So uh, when Jesus stood faithful, uh, when he faced Lazarus's death and David is staying faithful when he has to face Goliath and he spoke to him, Goliath said he reproached David. He disdained him. You little shepherd boy, you think I'm a dog? I'm a Philistine. Who, how dare you come to me like that? And he, um, he said, I'm going to take, I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air today and the beast of the field. And David said, uh, you come to me with a shield and the name and, and with a shield, a uh, with a sword, a shield, a spear and a shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of God of hosts of the armies of Israel. And I will smite you this day and take your head off. He added a little extra there. I'm going to take your head off and uh, feed your flesh to the birds of the air. So he spoke out. That was important that David spoke out the end from the beginning. 
And then he ran toward the battle. He didn't shy away. He, he pushed forward. So many times, you know, I think when we pray and we don't feel like we get an answer to prayer and we just back off. We just like, oh, well, or a lot of times, you know, you, you're on fire in the prayer room in the midst of prayer. And then you walk out the door and you kind of forget about it. I, I've always felt like that a lot of our unanswered prayers are just unfocused faith. And so David stayed focused. He ran to the battle, not away from it. And he drew from his revelation. And this is an important part in First Samuel 17. <clears throat> it says he took five smooth stones. You know, he turned away from Saul's armor, but he took five smooth stones and uh, put them in his little, I call it a little God bag. It was a shepherd bag. But we all have a little God bag that we collect pieces of the puzzle. You know, you get a little revelation here and a little revelation and you put it all in there. And one day maybe you're meditating and the Lord has you pull all those puzzle pieces out and make a picture. You get a picture. That's what we call revelation knowledge. When you get that picture on the inside of you of uh, one thing that's... Uh, uh, working in my life now, it's with COVID and all of that. Um, when we say the blessing, I always say, Lord, thank you that as we obey your commandments, you bless our food and water and take sickness from the midst of us. And you know what? I don't even think about COVID. I mean, I don't think about it. And that's what that word says. If he takes sickness from the midst of us, then he takes it out of our mind. We won't even think about it. So, you know, it's a good time to, when you get in the practice of saying the blessing over your food, speak your healing scriptures at that time. That's a good time to keep your faith focused and you'll get a revelation of that word. But David drew from the revelation. He had killed the bear and the lion with, with his shepherd's staff. And um, so he, the five is representative of the grace of God. The number five is. And smooth stones, to me, it's in the book of Revelation. I'm, I didn't write that down. I'm not sure exactly where, but it talks about, I'll give him a white stone and a new name written on that stone. And so that stone there means it's well-worn through use. So the five smooth stones is, is David's um, experience, if you will, and his practice fighting the bear and the lion, his practice out in the shepherd's field, of God's grace for him. So he drew from his revelation of God's grace. He didn't try to walk in somebody else's revelation. He walked in his revelation of God's grace. And that's what he did. And he, and then he, to, to pull down those high, that high thing, which is a giant. And it's one thing to know that that little voice in your head is not just you. It's a, it's your enemy. And he's going to keep that voice in your head until you overcome it. With good, you have to overcome that voice with good, and that's what we, our episodes have been about. And Chesley and I have been talking about a lot that um, to shut that voice up, to shut that thing up, you know, and to overcome it with good. So, where does reproach come from in the first place? Well, we've talked a little bit in the past. Uh, our sin nature came in the fall. Remember, we've shown the broken mirror, and we'll show it again at the end here, but. So in the fall, that's what happened. We cracked open and the, the, the craftiness of that serpent uh, brought in that, that. What did he do to Eve? He says, God just wants you to be like a God, like him. He doesn't want you to be like him. And um, uh, he questioned, has God really said? So he was reproaching the word of God to her. 
So our sin nature is one of them. Prejudices. We have our own personal prejudices. Men don't like women. Women don't like men. One race doesn't like the other race. And so those prejudices have affected us. The sin nature affected us. Prejudice that you've experienced from somebody else through the years affects you and puts that voice in your head sometimes. Sometimes it came from your parents and they got that from their parents. So it's just somebody's just got to draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough. And that's what we're about is learning to say enough is enough. Graven images and molten images, which we'll look at in just a minute. And then disobedience to God's word. So the sin nature came in the fall. Prejudices come through people through the years and experiences that you've had. But also the graven images in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 22. He says, you shall defile also the covering of thy graven images of silver and the ornament of thy molten images of gold. So uh, it shows you that these images that we have on the inside, we dress ourselves with. We, that's, well, you know, it says put on Christ, put on the anointing. Well, uh, when we, the words that we speak, they're coming out our mouth, coming up and coming down upon us. We are clothing ourselves with the words that we speak, whether good or evil. So uh, we want to get rid of the graven images. A graven image is... Um, you know how uh, Paul makes a, the comment that I, you're written on the tablet of my heart. The word of God is like a stylus. You know, you take you you get something that's a uh, or, uh, something to bless somebody with. It's a uh, treasure for a, a particular date or something. You have it engraved. You have a Bible engraved. You have a piece of jewelry engraved. Well, that's what the word does. It engraves when we speak it over and over. It it, it engraves on our heart. And that's a graven image. So words that have been spoken to you down through the years or your own self-talk down through the years, you've written on the tablet of your heart. Your heart's like a tablet. I know when I was in kindergarten, a few years ago, when I was in kindergarten, it was always so exciting to get a new pencil and a new big cheap tablet. And so, you know, when we get born again and, and say we get a new pencil, a new stylus, we get to write the image of God on our hearts by our own mouth. That's pretty powerful. That's, that's an amazing gift, our salvation. But the graven images, they're graven, they're engraved on our hearts. And, and the um, uh, molten images, I like to think of as experiences that you've had. Maybe you've had good experiences, maybe you've had bad experiences. But the, it's like, a, you know, plaster Paris, you pour the stuff into a mold and then it forms that way. So a lot, a lot of times we have um, we have an image on the inside of us, and it's come out of an experience, whether good or bad. But we're dealing with the bad ones, actually, today, because you don't want to get rid of the good ones. They're good images. But uh, these are the graven images and the molten images, which has been written on your heart. Maybe somebody's told you through the years that you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're too tall. Uh, I used to have uh, my fifth grade teacher, I think. Uh, I, I won't call his name, but I'm sure he's gone by now. Um, he used to call me Big Red because I was big for my age, actually. And he would call me Big Red, and I hated that. <laughs> so that that's a molten image in me. I had to get rid of that. So um, 
uh, he's, this and Isaiah says, we shall defile, we shall set them at naught. Turn that, you know, it's one thing I'm finding in studying this is God said, just turn that dude around and aim it back at him. And that's what Jesus did. And that's what David did. He turned around the disdain and the, the reproach and the disrespect from Goliath, and he aimed it right back at him. Now, when it comes to the disobedience of God's word, one little picture word I want to use here is in Exodus 32, 25. When Moses saw the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked. When Moses went up on the mountain and received the Ten Commandments, and he left Aaron there to help the people. Well, Aaron quit preaching to the people, and they lost their vision. And then this reproach came on them. And uh, they, when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. And it, that's the same word when it says they made them naked in Proverbs 29, 18. Where there's no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law happy is his. So when there's no vision, the people perish. The word perish there, the people are naked. If they don't have vision, if we don't have vision of purpose, position and power, if we don't have vision, then then we're uncovered. Vision is a covering for us. And when Moses, so that disobedience on Aaron's part, he quit preaching the vision to them. And when Moses got there, they were all naked. And it says unto the shame or the reproach among their enemies. So when we don't have vision, and listen, you can preach vision to yourself. You can preach vision to yourself. That's the whole point of the power of confession. Death and life are in the hand of the tongue, and you write on the tablet of your heart, and we're going to see that um, that's how we overcome by the Spirit, not by our might or our power, but by the Spirit, saith the Lord. Now, how do we overcome the giant of reproach? You know, that's uh, we've been handling it with an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Anything you can do, I can do better. What's good for the, uh, my, my little saying when I was younger, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. <laughs> but that's not true. So that was before I was saved. So um, how to overcome the giant of reproach? Well, God's way is to overcome evil with good. And the light dispels the darkness. And life or victory swallows up death. So what we're going to have to do is wherever this voice is speaking to us, wherever we had that molten image, wherever we had that graven image, wherever our our sin nature has taken over, uh, we want to speak life to it. So life can swallow up that dead thing and get it out of and And look, take sickness or weakness or any malfunction or reproach from the midst of us. We won't even think that way anymore. And so um, in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, in, in the Amplified, I particularly like the Amplified because it uses the word lavished. And we're going to shift now into our answer. We've seen the enemy and what all he causes, but uh, and reproach causes you to either over-accelerate or underperform one or the other. And we want to hit the, the nail on the head. We want to, a uh, preacher many years ago said, if the devil can't keep you back from 100%, he'll push you past to 150. Whatever, you're out of line. He wants, God wants to get us on the 100% mark. He wants the balance of things. So in Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 in the Amplified, it says, in him we have redemption, deliverance and salvation through his blood. The remission, forgiveness of our 
offenses. I like this particularly. The remission and forgiveness of our offenses, shortcomings, and trespasses. Now, that's good news. It's not just our sins, but our shortcomings. You know those places that you just like, oh, why do I do that? I'm so sorry I did that, Lord, again. And so the shortcomings and the trespasses, he's given us the remission through his blood of these these offenses in accordance with the riches and generosity of his gracious favor. His favor. And let me just say that favor has to do with thanks, a thankful heart, has to do with a joyful heart, has to do with the grace of God. His gracious favor, which he lavished upon us in every kind of wisdom and understanding, practical insight and prudence. He lavished it. That's a that's a rich word. He lavished it. And, you know, Ephesians goes on to say how it's incalculable. Uh, I can't even think of all the, the words are so it's it, the word is so rich and what God's done for us is so rich. It's so overcoming, overwhelming, I would say. But just to remember that it, when we think of favor, we think of um, we think of you liking me. I'll have favor with you. Uh, and that that's a part of it. God is highly favored. He's lavished his favor, but he's, his, his love, it says in Romans, is shed abroad or poured out abundantly in our hearts. So he's lavished his love upon us. He's lavished his grace. And what is that? That's the, the strengthening our hearts and turning them towards righteousness. He's lavished us with that. We just need to learn to call on it. We need to pull down that giant, that high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God and tell that dude to shut up. That he, that God has, I'm highly favored in the beloved. And you'll be amazed at how it will change your, the atmosphere around you when you start speaking that out loud. Because that overcomes the evil. The, de- the devil can't deal with the word of God and the blood of the lamb. And so be sure and let him know that you, you know. I, the, he knows that you, if you know. He knows if you know. So let him know that you know. Amen. So he's lavished us in every kind. And how did he lavish us? With wisdom and understanding, practical insight and prudence. Prudence is like being aware, very aware of what's going on. And so uh, you're not just living in a stupor. You're living alert and sober and sharpened. And he's lavished his favor upon us in that same area. And so uh, talking about that favor, he's lavished his favor. In Genesis 6, 8, Noah found favor or grace in the eyes of the Lord. They're interchanged there. It says in the Old Testament, Noah found grace, but in the New Testament, grace and favor can be interchanged. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Notice he found it. He didn't just sit there and it fell upon him. He found it. He went looking for it. And then Esther, in Esther 5, 1 through 5, that's a great chapter. You might want to read that. Esther obtained favor in the sight of the king. And this happened... Folks, when she had put on her royal robes, in other words, she clothed herself in her authority and the king looked and he saw Queen Esther. When he saw Queen Esther, he extended his scepter and said, what would you have me do unto the half of my kingdom? She obtained favor in the sight of the Lord. 
And then we have Luke 1.30 where Mary, the mother of Jesus, the, the angel came and said, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor in the Lord, in God, uh, with God. So notice that Noah, Esther, and Mary, they obtained it. They found it. Those favor is to be found. It's to be obtained. It's to be accepted. You know, a lot of times if, the, if that giant has been inscripted on your heart so much that you are nothing, it's, it's hard to accept God's favor. And so this is a work of faith. This is not something that just, oh, well, I'm saved now and all this is going to take place. No, you're going to work out your salvation through fear and trembling. So uh, we have, sometimes we have to work on ourselves to accept it. Some people are brought up to just know and others don't get that gift and they have to work through it. But everybody's working through something. And yours may be getting rid of the Goliath of reproach and accepting the, the high favor of God, the lavished favor of God. It has to be stirred up. Sometimes maybe you've had some bad experiences recently and you got to re- renew your faith in the fact that I am highly favored in the beloved. Or you may have really missed the mark big time. And now uh, condemnations wanting to settle in on you and reproach you and tell you you're not going to ever change. But that's not true. That's not true. That's a gi- This is what we need to understand. This is a giant spirit. So it's something that has to be dealt with. Uh, favor is to be respected. And, you know, if you're going to uh, receive favor, then you need to be giving favor because you're going to reap what you've sown. And then it has to be yielded to. Uh, I had a friend tell me years ago, she was over in Italy and she worked in the embassy, the U.S. embassy there, I think. And there was a general there, uh, an Italian general there, and she was highly favored with him. And she just didn't know why, but God had given her great favor with that general. Finally, one day the Lord said, I didn't give you that favor for you. I gave you that favor for him. I want him to come to you and you preach the gospel to him. So sometimes people will like you and you don't know why and they and they are drawn to you and you're not sure. But God's got a plan there and he's wanting because you have he's given you favor with this person. You have an open door for their salvation. I never thought about it like that till she told me that. So we need to understand this is a gift from God for us personally, but also for the people that he's going to bring to us. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 Jesus, it says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. So um, he, he, he thought against. Despise means to think against or to disesteem. Jesus took that reproach and turned it against the shame and kept his eye set on the joy. Remember, joy is one of the words for favor. So keep your eye. You can always be joyful about your great salvation. Everything in the world could be going wrong, but nobody can take that away from us. We have to give that up. Nobody can take that away from us. Amen. And so we always have that to be joyful for. In Luke 2.40 and and 2.52, it talks about these are good confessions of faith. These are these are some things for favor that we can put in our mouth. I'm I'm going a little long here, but I just want to finish this up because uh, I'll tell you in a minute, but I want to finish this up. So these are some confessions of faith that I have for us. I used to say this over my kids. 
The child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. That's Luke 2.40, talking about uh, John the Baptist, I believe. And then Jesus, Luke 2.52, was increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Stature or age. So these are good things to say that about yourself. Lord, I just thank you that I am growing and becoming strong, filled with wisdom, and your favor is upon me. And I thank you that I increase in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. That's a good confession of faith for you to say for yourself, your husband, your children, your parents, whoever you're believing God for and with. So um, then in this one, I love this one. Second Corinthians 9, 8, the Amplified. God is able to make all grace, all favor, every favor and earthly blessing come to me in abundance that's a big one right there. So that I may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. That's, that is a heartful, a mouthful. That is abundance right there. You need to memorize. We need to memorize. Well, I have memorized that scripture. <laughs> we need to memorize that scripture, though, and keep it, keep it in our little God bag. Remember our little God bag? Because someday we might need our slingshot to pull that giant down of reproach. God is able. I have the grace to deal with this, Father. Thank you that my heart is strong and I have the grace to deal with this. So we want to keep our, the, this is the victory we have that overcame the world, even our faith. We want to have faith in God's favor. God's benefits, which to me is his resurrection power, God's glory, God's grace, and God's joy. We put our faith in that. We keep our eye on the joy. We keep our eye on the grace. We keep our eye on the resurrection power that is set before us. And so when we think against, we disesteem the negative attitudes coming against us. So then we'll see, the just to finish this off, the fall caused us to have a broken image. There's that mirror broken. Like looking into a shattered mirror. And then we are conformed now into the image of Christ. Where that, that little kitten turned into a lion. And that's what we are. When we keep speaking the word of faith and the word of favor and the blessing of the Lord to us. I wanted to pray for you before we go today. Uh, just to pull down, just Father, in the name of Jesus, for those who are listening today and right now, we just take authority over the Goliaths that would be coming against them, that the strongholds that would be built up in their life, we bind the work of darkness in the name of Jesus. We bind the works of the devil. Uh, we bind that spirit of reproach. We bind and pull down Goliath. We take his head off this day in the name of Jesus as they've listened to your word concerning it, that you have lavished your favor upon us, Father, and we pull down those strongholds. We remove every obstacle that would stop the flow of God's favor into their lives in the name of Jesus and by the power of the blood of the Lamb. And we thank you for it, Lord. I pray that you send your blessing their way to overcome evil with good, to swallow up death with life, and to dispel the darkness with your light. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And I would also like to invite you, if you're anywhere in the area of Houston, Texas, to join us at West Houston Christian Center. And um, it's a good church. And um, I know the pastor pretty well. And he um, is a good man. 
our Pastor Jack and Michelle Pigeon, our son and daughter-in-law, are doing a great job of, of pastoring this church. And I want you to be blessed this next week for Thanksgiving. I pray a blessing upon you. And tune in next week. We have an, um, I'm excited about the future here. And we have um, a neat teaching on how Thanksgiving is our entrance into the supernatural. So you don't want to miss that. That's a part of God's favor, you know. So you don't want to miss that next week. So uh, join us at West Houston Christian Center if you're looking for a church. Uh, we're at westhoustonchristian.com and give you all the information you need. God bless you and thank you for being here today. I'm sorry Chesley wasn't here to welcome uh, you online. I get caught up in the teaching and forget. So I'm sorry if you're there. I'm glad you're there. We have a few ladies here in the sanctuary with us. In fact, the fan club's just getting started. <laughs> Thank you. God bless you. See you next time.